Hello everyone and welcome to New Hope Community Church. Today we're in part 5 of our 40 days of prayer. And I want us to review today and look at the subject of how to pray throughout the day. How to pray throughout the day. And if you haven't already availed yourself of the notes, you can download them from our YouTube website. I was struck this week as I was preparing for this message as I read through some of Paul's letters, who wrote 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament. And in every one of them, I noticed phrases like, I'm always praying for you. I'm praying without ceasing. And I never stop praying for you. I thought, how do you do that? How do you pray without ceasing? Notice this verse in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Pray in the Spirit at all times with all kinds of prayers, asking for everything you need. To do this, you must always be ready and never give up, and always pray for all God's people. Now that verse, just that one verse alone, is packed with encouraging content. Let's just quickly review that. Firstly, it says, pray in the Spirit, and that means to follow the Spirit's leading, as, and He will help us pray. So when the Holy Spirit puts an idea in your mind, stop and pray along those lines. If you put somebody on your heart, stop what you're doing. Pause washing the car, whatever you're doing, and pray about that. Don't say, I'll pray about that later. Then he says in that verse, he says, pray at all times. Now what does that mean? What he's saying there is, make quick Brief prayers, your habitual response to every situation that you meet throughout the day. You don't have to isolate yourself in a cave or separate yourself from other people or from your daily work in order to pray constantly. Then third, the third sort of like subsection of that is he says all kinds of prayer. That means there's variety in prayer. And one of the most amazing books to see this demonstrated will be the book of Psalms. In the book of Psalms, there's a prayer for every stage and every season of your life. There are comforting prayers. There are clarifying prayers. There's confessing prayers. There's celebratory prayers. Prayers, that means that you pray when you're happy. So if you want to learn how to pray, then just read the Psalms and say, Lord, may this be my prayer. And then let it be your prayer. So there are all kinds of prayers in that book, remember, for all kinds of emotions and all kinds of situations. The fourth thing that stands out in that verse is it says, ask for everything that you need. Now here's my thought on that one. If you prayed as much as you worried, well, you'd have a whole bunch less to worry about. Fifth, it says always be ready, like a reliable soldier, ready for action. Then it goes on to say, never give up. Never stop praying. And then finally, always pray for all of God's people, which means we're supposed to pray for God's church. Why? Because Satan's spiritual warfare is focused against the church. And it's hard to always be praying for God's people if we only pray for a minute or two a day. So I have a suggested solution for you. To pray, help you pray through the day. How do you do this? How does it actually work? And that's what I want to look at today. How you pray throughout my day. Now you may want to write this down before we start on the meat of the message. And that is 
two different ways that you can pray throughout the day. How do you do that? Well, by developing two habits. The first one is you keep a running conversation, a running conversation with God. Now, Paul isn't referring here to non-stop talking, but rather it's about the attitude of having a God consciousness that we carry within us all the time, like I shared last week. Every waking moment is to be lived in the awareness of Christ in you, the Holy Spirit within us, and that he's actively involved and engaged with our thoughts and wants to propel our actions. The Bible says in Ephesians 6.18, pray on every occasion as the Spirit leads. So this attitude is built upon acknowledging a clear dependence on God and realizing his presence is within me and then determining in my own heart and mind to fully obey him. Then it'll be natural to pray frequently, spontaneously, and these will be short prayers. So rather than just talk to yourself, which you do all the time, right? You do. I do. Change the focus and talk to God. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, never stop praying. In other words, he's saying pray all the time. Have that constant conversation. Continual prayer is not prayer without any interruption. But it's talking about a prayer that continues or a conversation that continues wherever possible. It's talking about maintaining that continuous consciousness of his presence in the middle of our daily work and family life where our focus is frequently broken. The second habit I would highly recommend, and this is all going to spend the balance of our time on today, and that's to schedule prayer times throughout the day. To schedule prayer times throughout the day. Now, this is not a new idea, because as we know, Daniel is a great example of that. He prayed three times a day, morning, noon, and night. He's just a typical Jewish believer. Then we even see in the heart of David and what he did. He went beyond that even. He says in Psalm 119 verse 164, seven times a day, I praise you. So, friends, opportunities abound to praise God in our daily living, whether it's a 30-second conversation or a prayer of several minutes. So, it's a good question to ask ourselves, how often do we praise God, for example? It's not hard to find reasons to praise God, but today I want to share with you a very simple pattern for daily prayer based on the seven phases of the Lord's Prayer. So let's take a look at the daily schedule. I suggest a daily schedule, but it's built on the Lord's Prayer. Now here's a great way to start your day. Number one, you get up with gratitude. Get up with gratitude. You and I, friends, have a a choice when we get up in the morning. What sort of attitude are we going to have throughout that day? We can get up grumbling and groaning and grunting and complaining, or you can get up with an attitude of gratitude. And friends, I'm sure you're aware that doctors and psychologists have also confirmed that the attitude of gratitude is an incredibly healthy emotion. It can actually have effects, measurable effects, to make you healthier emotionally and physically and socially and, of course, spiritually. So why not start every morning 
with an attitude of gratitude to God and thank him for all of the things that he's done for you. What I do recommend, friends, is that you keep and grow and develop a gratitude list. And you can develop that on page 79 and page 80 of your 40 days of prayer journal. Finish filling that out as you work through these 40 days. And as you read those aspects of gratitude, your attitude will be changed. It'll be set at a different altitude for the rest of the day. So why do we do this? 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says this, What do you have that God did not give you? Everything is a gift from God. And if it was given to you, how can you brag about it? So an attitude of gratitude helps me focus on a loving father that we talked about last week, the Abba, the Daddy, who meets all of my needs. So you start your day focusing on, on the goodness of God. And that's the first phrase in the Lord's Prayer. Notice this. Matthew 6. Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So then, this is how you should pray. Our Father in Heaven. So you start the day by thinking about God and His goodness. And you just tell God all the stuff you're grateful for that you've typically taken for granted. The Bible says in James 1.17, Every good gift and every perfect present comes from your Father of light in heaven. So the first thing when you jump out of bed, here's what to do. I thank my Father in heaven for his consistent love. And I recall the ways that he's good to me. I thank my Father in heaven for his consistent love. And I recall the ways that he's so good to me. Now, there are seven snippets throughout the day. First, you get up with gratitude. Then, number two, you bless God's name at breakfast. That's an attitude of praise. doesn't have to be a long prayer, but we can pray the second phrase of the Lord's Prayer. What does it mean to bless? It means to honour, to give respect and adoration. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 9, the next phrase in the Lord's Prayer says, Hallowed be your name. That means holy. I'm going to respect your name today, Lord. I'm going to honor your name in everything I do today, and I'm going to adore you. Psalm 145, verse 2 says, Every day, not just Sunday, I will bless your name and praise it forever and ever. So, why the focus on his name? Well, David knew the names of God reveal his character. It shows aspects of what he is and who he is. Actually, the name of the Lord is mentioned about 80 times in the Psalms. Your name in the Old Testament was really a reflection of your character. Your name was really who you were. So today, if you go to get a loan and if you have bad credit, then you'll have a bad name and nobody's going to loan you any money. But when God says, I'm going to make you a promise and it's based and underwritten by my name, and I'm a consistent God, I'm a competent God, I'm a caring God, I can depend upon it, because I know God has integrity. So in the Bible, did you know that God has actually about a hundred names in both Hebrew and in Greek? So you may ask, well, why does anybody need a hundred names? Because each of those names represents an aspect of the character 
of God. I'll put a couple on your outline. And it's a good idea to review God's names and the promises that they imply. It's a great idea. Even do that daily. To review God's names and the promises they imply. How many of them do you know out of a hundred? Here's a couple. Abba. That means your loving father. El Roy. That means the God who knows everything or sees everything. He certainly sees me. And then we've got Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals you. And then El Shaddai, God Almighty, with all the power that you need. There are so many rich and wonderful names of God in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, if you'd like a list of those and what they mean, and thereby having implications for your life, just email me at info at newhope.net.nz. Info at newhope.net.nz. So here's the point. All prayer is based upon how much you know God. The more you know, the less you're going to worry. And then the more you're going to relax. The more you know, the more confident you're going to be. So when we talk about knowing the names of God, it just means you know what God is really like. Look at this verse. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never abandoned those who truly seek you. Psalm 9 verse 10. So I review the names of God and I think about the promises they imply. When he says, God says, I'm Jehovah Jireh. It means I'm your provider. And I don't have to worry then about where my next meal is coming from because it's my provider. Now, the more you know the names of God, the more you study those, the more you're going to know what God is like and the more you're going to relax. So what a great way to start the day. You get up with gratitude. That's Thanksgiving. And then you go to breakfast and you bless God's name. That's praise. Then you're on your way to work. And it doesn't take long, maybe until morning tea or smoker, when you start to feel perhaps a little distracted and feel the effects of a chaotic or hectic work environment. And then perhaps you're getting way down in the weeds and that's when we need to pause for a moment. Yeah, even at work, maybe mid-morning and remember then what matters most. At mid-morning, remember what matters most. And that's the principle of dedication. Friends, if you can get into the habit of pausing and taking a deep breath and go, okay, let's just stop right here to remember what matters most in life. Let me focus on the big picture because I'm getting bogged down in way too much detail. Then I need to pause and pray. Matthew 6.10, the next phrase in the Lord's Prayer says, May your kingdom come and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's saying here that, God, we want your agenda, not our own. Now, is the world on the wrong agenda? Oh, yeah. Do we need God's agenda? Yes. In our lives? Yes. In our families? Yes. In our business? Yes. In every area, your kingdom come and your will be done. So at mid-morning, I remember what matters most. And this is the principle of dedication. You may want to write this down. To do this, I realign myself with God's purposes and plans for my life. I realign myself with God's purposes and plans for my life.
Now, maybe for you it's mid-morning, you think, my goodness, I've got so much to do. I've got a lot of stuff on. But I want to remind myself there's something a whole lot bigger than just what I've got my table to take care of. The Bible says, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. In other words, it's saying, God, you've got a great plan. You've got a plan for the world, but you also have a ministry in the marketplace with all these people around me for me to play my part. I'm a missionary in the marketplace. So I want to be sure to align myself with your plans and purposes, and I recommit myself to your purposes in this world, in this office, and in my family. Then God goes on to say, if you seek first God's kingdom, that's his priorities, his plans, and his righteousness, all the other things will be given to you as well. So about 9 10 o'clock in the morning, you say, God, I just want to remind myself, I want your plans and your purposes and your will to be done in my life and in this world. Number four, at lunchtime comes next. Ask yourself for your needs at lunch. That's called a petition. Like the fourth phrase in the Lord's Prayer, it's a great time to pray. Give us today our daily bread. And God says to you, ask for your daily needs. Now, the word daily tells us that we shouldn't worry about what God already knows that we need. He knows what we need physically. He knows what we need spiritually. He knows what we need socially. And that's what Jesus tells us to pray. But some people have overextended that invitation and misinterpreted it like the verse in John 14, 13. Where Jesus says, you can ask for anything in my name. But friends, you need to always read scripture in context. This is not a magic formula where we just tack Jesus' name onto the end of any old prayer request. Because that would reduce our father to nothing more than a genie in the bottle. Now in that particular verse, to ask anything of the father in Jesus' name, it means we ask what Jesus would ask. What will be pleasing to the father? And what will bring glory to God by furthering his work. So Jesus promises that as we discover the will of God and we align our prayers to fulfill his purposes, our prayers will become as powerful as his own. Sadly, on balance, we don't often pray for the interests of Jesus or his kingdom or for the glory of God. We often only seek for our own interests and for what will improve our own situations. If you took a snapshot now of perhaps the last couple of weeks of prayers, what percentage do you think roughly would be about your own needs compared to God's needs and the needs of others? Now, what I'm saying is asking for our needs is absolutely fine. But what I'm trying to emphasize here is don't forget our Father's kingdom, his plans, his work on earth, and how he wants us to be part of that. So the next thing is we ask for our needs and remember God's kingdom. And then we ask for what other people need too. That's the concept of intercession. When you pray for yourself, that's called petition. When you pray for somebody else, that's called intercession. 1 Samuel 12, 23 said this, I'd be sinning against the Lord if I failed to pray for you. 
So Samuel's actions here illustrate two of our responsibilities. We should pray for each other consistently. Ephesians 6.18 talks about that. And we should teach others the right way to God. 2 Timothy 2.2 In this particular case, the context is Samuel disagreed with the Israelites' direction. Okay? But he assured them he would continue to pray for them and to teach them. Now, you and I may disagree with others, but we shouldn't stop praying for them. I don't just ask for me. I ask for we. I ask for us. Now, also notice here, God doesn't say, give me my daily bread. It says, give us. That means our family. You're in a family. So when you're asking God, don't just ask for yourself. Ask for other people. Now, sometimes when you're at work, by midday, you're already stressed out because the day has not gone anywhere near like what you wanted it to. People may have called in sick. You may have needed a deal, but they didn't come in. And so you shorten your target. Look at this verse on the screen. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, there's that word, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So whenever you're anxious, stop for a minute and pray. And Paul is telling us here to turn our worries, which so naturally come sometimes, into prayers. When we practice not being anxious, but praying with thanksgiving, then the peace of God floods our troubled soul. Friends, Jesus Christ is your peace, not the circumstances. So if you'll do this fourth kind of praying at lunchtime, you'll find in the afternoon it's going to go a whole bunch better because you stop just for a minute in the middle of the day and you prayed. So by then, about mid-afternoon, afternoon tea, you might find a few attitudes have swirled through your mind after a few more meetings or a few more encounters with customers. So now is a great time to, number five, ask for forgiveness in the afternoon. That's confession. You ask for forgiveness in the afternoon. And just say, Lord, is there anything in my life that I need to clean out? Is there any sin any attitude which is wrong, if you ask the Holy Spirit that, he will certainly show you. I love this verse, Psalm 139, verse 23. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. So you're saying, God, is there anything here that I need to confess. Because I don't want to carry this rubbish into the rest of the day. You know what? It doesn't take a long time to do that, just like it doesn't take long to put out the garbage. But I tell you what, that effort will keep the house from stinking. Here's the fifth statement in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Matthew 6, 12. 
So, so far, we've looked at different kinds of prayer. We've had a prayer of thanksgiving. We've had a prayer of adoration. We've had a prayer of petition. We've had a prayer of dedication. And now we've got the prayer of confession. So, what would that actually look like? Well, this is what I'd like to suggest. It looks like I admit my sins, and while I'm at it, I forgive others who frustrated me. I forgive others who frustrated me. Psalm 32 verse 5 says this, I confess my sins to you and didn't try to hide them. Then you forgave me and now all my guilt is gone, which is fantastic. So by mid-afternoon, this is a great time to do some housekeeping, some tidy up before you head home. The sixth thing you can pray at this time of day in the late afternoon is, God, help me to make wise decisions. Let's protect you from bad decisions and the implications of those. Whether you've got kids at home or not anymore, or whether you're living with friends, you need to ask God's help to make some wise decisions and to protect you from making dumb decisions too. Why is that at this end of the day? Well, many people's worst temptations actually come in the evening. And they come from three sources typically. The media, it can be from the fridge, and it can be from getting into fights. Now some of you, the media is a massive temptation. You're watching stuff that you should not be watching. Maybe it's either on the TV or junk that's on there, or maybe it's on your computer. For others, it's that fridge. It's an open door. And still others, when you're tired, you're grumpy, and you're going to say things way too sharply, and you're going to hurt other people. So before you get home, it's great to pray, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now this verse is, is actually saying, cause us not to give in to temptation. In other words, don't let us yield to temptation. That's what that verse is all about. And by the way, temptations come into all of our lives, your life and my life. No one, no one is exempt. And it's not sinful to be tempted. The sin comes in when we give in to temptation. It was Martin Luther who famously said, you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. Friends, this next verse is a fantastic promise. Look up here on the screen. 1 Corinthians 10.13 No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. In other words, we've all had temptations and you're nothing different. But God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Friends, we all face temptation. We're all on the same boat. The great news, though, is this, that those temptations can be met and endured by depending upon our Heavenly Father and looking for the way of escape, which he promises to provide. So anybody who says, I can't help myself, is actually not telling the truth. Because God promises, I will always provide a way out, but you got to choose it. And by the way, if you're watching stuff that's no good for you on the internet, you may want to memorize this or print it out and put the card in front of your computer or in front of your TV. Psalm 101 verse 3 says, I will set nothing wicked 
before my eyes. Finally, we come to the end of the day. And here's the last thing you pray. It's the last phrase of this wonderful pattern in the Lord's prayers. Number seven is, I end my day with an encouraging truth. I end my day with an encouraging truth. And that's the benediction. Matthew 6.13 says this, For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, this verse will help you sleep better at night because it reminds us, number one, that God is in control. Friends, politicians are not in control. Companies are not in control. Countries are not in control. Your boss is not in control. Ultimately, God is in control. Proverbs 21.1 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. Now, a couple of examples, we could have given you many, but perhaps Cyrus. Cyrus didn't even know God, yet God used him in his hands. He turned Cyrus's heart, same of Artaxerxes. So number two, second, this is not the end of the story. That's another encouraging truth that comes through this verse. And three, God and his family win in the end. Because if you read the last book of the Bible, even the last chapter, you realize simply this, God wins. Corrie Tim Boom said, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. And if you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. So it all depends upon what you're focusing on, right? That's what the scriptures encourages, to think about those things that are good and wholesome and of good repute. So at night, you say something like, Father, you're in control. This is not the end of the story. And we win in the end. Good night, Lord. I'm going to have a good sleep. See you in the morning. So we end the day with the truth that God is in control. And then get up with the attitude of gratitude. What a great way to pray. So I want to encourage you this week, today, to not just listen to this pattern which the Lord laid out and get the concept, but to actually try using the Lord's Prayer to mark out some times throughout the day to pray. Now, I'm not asking you to give 20 minutes a day, but I am asking you to take a minute here, a couple of minutes there, five minutes here. God just wants to hear from you, like I talked about last week. So when you pray, God helps you. Every time you pray, to seek first his kingdom, and then all those other things will be added to you. Some of you might try and say, well, I don't have time to pray, to pause and pray. Then, friend, if that's really what you're thinking, can I suggest that you're too busy? And you may find that a little awkward to explain when you get to heaven one day, why you were too busy to recognize his presence and talk with him throughout the day. Let me give you a promise. You may want to write this down if you're tight on time. Proverbs 10.27. I love it in the Living Bible. It says, reverence for God adds hours to each day. You need more hours in each day? Well, revere God. Do you need more time? God can make my time go further when I give part of it to him in prayer each day. It's kind of like my offering. God can make my 90% go further than 100%. Friends, as we wrap this up, the Lord's Prayer is not a ritual. It is a model as to how to manage your day. 
And if you'll do this, you'll have more energy, you'll have more peace, you'll be closer to God, and you'll have more power in your life, and you'll have more confidence. If you do it, Jesus says this, this is the way you ought to pray. Pray throughout the day. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Friends, what a fantastic prayer. What a great pattern for prayer may become part of your life today and throughout this week. God bless.